All right, everybody, this is Pure Talk Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Bartu, coming to you with your daily dose of medicine to get you motivated, inspired, and live at your full potential. I have a special guest today, Matthew Harmono. Uh, he's a pharmacist, did a PGY1, went retail for seven years, then became a PGY2 to help patients in palliative care and pain management. So, Matt, how are you doing today? Good, Bartu. Uh, thanks for having me on the show today. It's good to Thank be you. here. Thank you for being on. Thank you for being on. So you definitely got to get into your journey. Talk about uh, what made you want to become a pharmacist and then a little bit about what made you become a retail pharmacist and then go back into a PGY2. But before we get into all that, let's start from the beginning. What piqued your interest in becoming a pharmacist? So it's kind of your classic story of being really good in chemistry in high school and having that interest with patients as well. Um, I actually almost went to school for nursing. So I felt like pharmacy was kind of a little different aspect to that where not as much hands-on work, but a lot of the thought process behind the mechanisms of drugs and how they interact with someone's body. And it just always was really interesting for me, especially like I said, in chemistry then going on and learning what a pharmacist does, it's kind of like an expert in drugs. So I thought it was very, very interesting from an, from an early age. And like I said, I had support from a lot of my chemistry teachers in high school that, and my parents that kind of supported me along that path. And it seemed like a very interesting field to go into. Okay, okay, great, great, great. So uh, when going to school for it, did you do the two, four program or did you do the four, four program? So I, yeah, I did a two, four, but technically it was a zero six in a way. So um, it was just strictly all through pharmacy school, but we had two years of undergrad and then the next four years were our professional years in pharmacy school. And that was, that was at URI and I graduated from URI in 2018, but yeah, that is a zero six program, University of Rhode Island, uh, go Rhodey Rams. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's in Kingston, Rhode Island. And um, yeah, so that's a zero six program. Uh, a lot of different majors at that college too. So it's not solely pharmacy, which is partially why I chose it too, is just a diverse group of people, a lot of good sports teams and it's by the beaches too. So you can't really beat that, especially summertime in Rhode Island. Hey, can't beat that. Good beach, good weather, never. All right. So that's good. You went there, did the zero six, which is two years undergrad, four years pharmacy school. You got out of pharmacy school and then you went into the retail field of pharmacy. So what made you go into retail? And then let's talk about what made you got out of retail. Absolutely. So I did retail. I worked in retail as an intern during college uh, all throughout my time at um, CVS pharmacy. So I was always doing retail pharmacy and I worked afterwards too. And I always liked talking with people and getting that interaction. So it was definitely like an area where there's obviously good and bad days, but I mean, like it's really that interaction and the long-term connections you can have with those patients. So I did that for, I was an intern for five years, still, still do part-time at CVS right now. And I just uh, maintained myself as a pharmacist right after school. So and we all got loans to pay off too. So that was, that was a huge aspect as well was, the amount of loans you're facing postgraduate and it's it's really nice to come out of school making an appropriate salary and being able to pay off those loans so that was initially what I did 
right after school is worked, 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 and worked many hours a week, as we all do, like when you graduate, just paying off loans, staying with your family, you know, and then I really every day on a day to day basis, I started to do, I even did overnights for a little while in retail. So I've seen all the aspects of it. And ooh, it's, it's a grind, you know, but uh, I got the, I talked to a lot of patients about pain management, and I saw a lot of opioid use disorder while, while in retail, at the places I was working at. And I really appreciated those conversations I had with doctors, especially over the phone and some of the clinics that were nearby. But I just wanted a little more interaction and a little more responsibility for these patients because I just didn't feel like I was getting enough in a retail setting. Okay, okay. So you finish pharmacy school. You did a PGY1. All right, let's go back to that. The PGY1 that you did, did it... um, focus in on retail pharmacy? So the PGY-1 was a general residency at the VA in Providence, Rhode Island. So the VA, if there's, uh, for anyone who's listening, the VA is really, they support the veterans of our nation. So whether they're um, current military or former military, a lot of the veterans go to these VAs across the country. And in Providence, Rhode Island, we have an awesome program where we were able to treat the patients. There's an inpatient area of our VA and there's also like the outpatient clinic basis. So we were rotating in both settings and there's also an inpatient psychiatry ward too. And there's also a lot of, like I said, chronic pain patients in our outpatient clinics. But really what I loved the most about my PGY-1 was treating uh, veterans the best we can possibly treat them because they go through a lot of stuff, especially once they come back from serving. And we don't really under, not it's hard to appreciate that if you've never been in their shoes. So a lot of veterans face a lot of different problems, whether it's uh, PTSD, depression, and a lot of times like coexisting substance use disorder, which we often see. So really being able to learn and experience that different setting and help our veterans was something that I really took a lot out of during my PGY-1. All right, great, great. Yeah. Uh for one, getting to a residency isn't the easiest task at all. So I would like to say congratulations for getting into the residency and doing something that is very impactful to our veterans out there. So I appreciate you for that. Um, and then you finished the residency, decided to go into retail, work that. Um, what made you decide it? I think you told me, but again, what made you decide to be like, you know what? I can be more impactful in my patient's life if I go back and get a residency, uh, a second year residency, a PGY-2. If you don't mind speaking about that, please. Absolutely. So basically, ever since college, me and my friend, my friend and I had this idea of pain management and sports pharmacy. And it's always been this combined idea where we felt that a lot of the a lot of athletes um, have a lot of chronic pain management and coexisting depression, psych- psychiatric problems too. So it was really, it was a business idea that we thought of initially was having an expertise skill in pain management that could then be combined into sports pharmacy or sports medicine. And that kind of always stuck with me. And we kind of like kept building upon that. And I then took it to like the next level and was like, I got to do like a PGY to pain management to truly be an expert in this field in pharmacy. So it's led to that point where um, it's really pain's, pain's very cool too, because it's, it's a brand new field that's opening up. And it's almost like a lot of the stuff you're seeing with either cannabis or psychedelics, it's brand new. So it's a lot of undis, undis, uh, 
undiscovered areas. And a lot of times you're creating your job and where you're going to go and after you finish the residency. And that's not a negative thing at all. It's really a positive thing because you're creating your job and your role and showing other institutions what you're able to do. So, but what led me really to pain was the sports pharmacy aspect and chronic pain as like throughout my life too in sports and injuries and just an appreciation for that patient population because we've seen, we grew up like during the opioid epidemic and it's still now present with fentanyl, but seeing that the most and now a lot of this, a lot of the documentaries you're seeing nowadays showing what was happening was really a huge movement, especially during college. So a lot of those aspects led me down to being interested in pain management and palliative care too, because that's a major aspect. But um, yeah, so I applied to a bunch of different programs and residencies are crazy, but it's, it, I moved from Rhode Island to Florida just this past summer and ended up in Jacksonville. But yeah, so that's where I'm currently at, but we only have like a week left. Number two, uh, this piqued your interest uh, because you said like sports and sports management. Uh, were you an athlete in undergrad or high school? Then, and did you have pain that you had to overcome while you was there? Yeah, so um, for, number, for number one, I've always been by the water and I've never been like tucked <laughs> into too much. So I've never been that far in, so into the state. So always been by the water, love the water. <laughs> and really like uh, what piqued my interest. Um, so in college, I wasn't an athlete, um, but I didn't actually play D1 sports because I went to a D1 college. But in high school, I played sports. I, was, I love basketball, football. I did like multiple sports and could have tried to like play like D3 basketball, but I just felt that pharmacy was more important getting education and just trying to pursue that path. But yeah, I, I tore my ACL like and had surgery on that and like broke a couple bones in my arms and, and my wrist from like sports. So, I mean, that just like a recovery process of an athlete is something that you need to really take into account, especially these players that are in like high impact sports. So like football, hockey, um, I bet even basketball is too, they're pretty high impact if you like, hit hard enough. So, I mean, understanding like what the athlete's going through and like ex experiencing that into a degree is definitely important in terms of like how you're going to treat these patients. So that's really important. And just seeing what a lot of athletes going through nowadays, not only chronic pain, but depression and anxiety, especially with COVID, it's really now growing. It's now becoming more mainstream, but this has been a thing for quite a long period of time and it's finally getting the attention it deserves. And a lot of these big time athletes are speaking up for it. Like you got guys like, um, let me see, you had uh, Naomi Osaka, which recently had like a, uh, she was talking about anxiety and depression and like how much the media was like pressuring her to do certain things. And there are a couple NHL players that had like post-concussive CTE that was just severe depression and that was never really treated that well. And it's really being like brought up because a lot of times you don't see this until maybe after the player's career and it may be short-lived in their career, but then afterwards they have to deal with it for the rest of their lives. So it's always piqued my interest and pharmacists can have such a huge role in this area, whether it's like either acute management or chronic management after their career ends. All right, great, great, great. So now we know why it piques your interest. Um, so can you tell the listeners how can a pharmacist impact the lives of the patients that are going through this pain and uh, situations, if you don't mind speaking about that, please. Absolutely. So it takes a lot of patience, a lot of patience, because when you're a provider for this patient population, oftentimes there are not a lot of great days. So you have to understand that when patients, you're interviewing these patients and you're asking for the first, 
first question you ask, oh, how's your day going? The common response I get is, oh, you don't even want to go down that road or it's just an awful day. And they'll talk about that for 15, 20, 30 minutes even. It could for a long period of time. And it's, it's, it's hard to get caught up in that sometimes, but you need to understand that these patients go through quite a, quite a bit of pain every day. And pain and depression are very often coexisting and mix. And one leads to poor coping strategies for another. So you got to understand and have patience for this patient population because a lot of our, it's like about 20% of America has like at least chronic pain that they experience from for the rest of their lives. So, and our older population too, is just from a lot of uh, debilitating conditions and uh, breakdown of their joints and bones. So um, really patience and keeping an open-minded attitude when you're treating these patients. So what we're seeing a lot of now is coexisting opioid use disorder and chronic pain. And that's something that it can be very stigmatized. And we need to understand that these patients, addiction is a disease. And once you recognize that, you got to look at it from an objective standpoint as a provider. Like my job when I'm treating patients with opioid use disorder too, because we see a lot of patients that have that with pain is mortality reduction. So when it comes to different therapies, I'm looking at it objectively as how can we reduce the mortality in this patient population, and allow them to live longer and live with their families, have jobs, be, live lives that they want to live that aren't like uh, tied to addiction possibly and the use of other agents to like elicits that lead down to a lot worse paths than what it would be on some of these coexisting agents like medication assisted therapy, um, buprenorphine and methadone. So kind of went on a tangent there, but that's just a couple of pieces that I definitely wanted to address. Okay, great, great, great. So <clears throat> you kind of manage these patients by one, consulting with them, seeing what mental state they're in, and then um, using the proper medications that they can get or provide them with to manage the actual pain that they're feeling. Yes, so we, right now, the current residency I'm in, we rotate in different, a bunch of different settings. So we have, so we have pain management and palliative care and palliative care is a little bit different than pain management. Palliative care, you ever heard of hospice before and palliative care is kind of thrown into that same hat. Not exactly the same, but palliative care is a lot of symptom management and pain, pain is involved in palliative care, but you're gonna deal with a lot of different things, whether it's nausea vomiting, um, uh, nausea vomiting, depression, symptom management. Uh, so like a lot of patients are on different tube feeds and have problems like eating different things. So you have to think about those kind of different aspects. But to go back to your question, we have inpatient and outpatient treatment for these that come into us. And our inpatient man is we have an acute pain consult service that I'm a part of with a nurse practitioner and anesthesiology team. And we also have a different couple different rotations of surgery trauma. So a lot of patients that come in for traumas, we're treating them acutely for a lot of their injuries, a lot of um, resuscitation for a lot of patients. And also in the acute setting, we, I do rotate for oncology and psychiatry too. So that's a different aspect completely. But um, on the outside, we see a lot of more patients for chronic pain management. So I'm involved in a couple of different clinics, whether it's just chronic pain with patients. And sometimes we also treat a lot of sickle cell patients that have chronic pain. So sickle cell is really, really prevalent down South um, in the African-American population. It's a lot that we see, especially in the Jacksonville and even Miami, where I'm going to be going, it's very prevalent in those areas. So a lot of these patients come in with extreme pain crises from sickle cell. So their blood cells, uh, their red blood cells sickle, 
causing basal occlusion in different parts of their bodies. So a lot of times they're coming in with extreme pain and once again, it's a stigmatized population. So, but we are treating them in our outpatient clinics, trying to reduce the amount of hospitalizations they're having. And we also treat patients in our palliative care clinic too on the outpatient side. So that is a excellent clinic too. So a lot of those chronic pain patients are seen in those clinics, but I would say our residency as a whole it's very strong because we have a mixture of inpatient and outpatient pain management and palliative care too is very, very um, diverse and mixed in into the inpatient side of our program. So it had, it's kind of the best of both worlds. So I felt comfortable going into the job market, like not feeling strapped down to like uh, tied down to one thing exactly. All right, great, great, great. Uh, sound like you're doing a lot with all you're doing and helping all the patients with pain management, um, sickle cell crises, uh, palliative care. So how do you develop a work-life balance to keep you, um, you know, balanced out to make sure that you are able to provide the best care for your patients and the best care for yourself? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I would like to say it's improved from when I first started the residency. Uh, I came in here and managed time, but definitely my time management skills, my time management skills weren't the greatest. So it, it came down to managing my time better and taking accountability for what you want to accomplish during the year too. So once you're able to kind of set deadlines and create them for yourselves and be proactive about your, your goals, and then you can go home and hopefully not have to do as much work when you go home. But in a residency, unfortunately, a lot of the times I'm coming home to do work. So I still spend time with a lot of my family. I try to go back home when I can and have a couple of friends in the area in Jacksonville and in Miami too. So you definitely need to spend time and go see those people and like get away from work sometimes, especially with COVID and the impact on mental health. So I like to work out a lot too. I find that Exercise is the best medication for me. Um, just makes me feel better and really puts you in a better mood to start the day. So, I mean, like the balance of all those things is really important, but you definitely can get caught up in the whole like work, work-life balance and only working, working, working and never really caring for yourself. So I think that's something that I kind of felt, I fell into that trap during my PGY-1 and even working in retail. There were days where weeks where I was working like 70 hours a week 75 hours a week overnights and definitely not not the healthiest i'll say that you said so, you work 70 hours a week yep there were some times <laughs> where I did that. <laughs> just it's crazy i mean when you're when you're young and you're out of grad school uh grad school you just want to want to work a lot and you want to like pay off student loans but That's like you said awesome. taking care of your taking care of your health is important like yeah, yeah. um but I'm glad you found that balance. Uh, Matt, let's hope you don't go back to working 70 hours a week. Let's, <laughs> let's dial it back. <laughs> but now, uh, but seriously, I'm glad you found that balance and find that balance with being with family, friends, and then finding your own personal time with working out. Because like you said, um, when you're able to like work out and be with the ones that you love and care for, you're able to come back with a clear mind, clear perspective, and you're able to give the best care for your patients, right? So I do have one more question for you, Matt. It's like your career goals and dreams. Like, what do you see yourself five to 10 years from now? 
Um, if you don't mind speaking about that, please. Absolutely. So I would say in the next five years um, or five or 10 years, I think I just want to hopefully get get established in a program I'm going to. So I'm going down to Jackson Health System in Miami and they don't have a pain pain pharmacist yet. So I'd be the first one down there. So I'd really, I want to establish a program down there. And we have opportunities in our outpatient clinics too that are just starting off in its early development. So I'd like to bridge from side of the pain management, work with our anesthesia teams and develop some outpatient clinics too. I would like to hopefully have a rotation for students that are interested in pain management or for residents too that want to come by and like learn what we're doing. And eventually the goal is to probably have a PGY2 in pain management program at Jackson because it's not established just yet. Um, that's definitely my short-term goals and long-term kind of combined. But like I said, settle down. It's been crazy. I haven't really stopped for the past like six years, eight years, like after school. So hopefully slow down a little bit too and just like kind of get back to a normal life and not be working like crazy during residency. <laughs> understand that understand that yeah residency definitely is like a a 24 7 learning experience while you're in it right so mm. i do uh want to commend you for doing a pgy1 working as a pharmacist and then going back and do a pgy2 to make a more of an impact within the patient lives that you come across with pain management and sport man sports management excuse me um, so if anybody want to get in contact with you and want to know more about pain management, palliative care, or just, you know, a PGY residency and get some information on what they should expect, um, and they want to reach out to you, can you tell them your Instagram or social media, LinkedIn, or website handles so that they can reach out to you, Matt? Absolutely, Bartu. So I, I'm avidly posting on LinkedIn, so that's a great uh, it's just my just my name, Matthew, and then Hermano, so H-E-R-M-E-N-A-U. Uh, my Instagram is just the same. It's Hermano, my last name, dot Matthew. And I, you, if you want to reach me on email, too, my email is changing because I'm finishing my PGY2 here, but I still check my URI email. So it's mhermano at my.uri.edu. So I'm checking that a lot. So if anyone has any questions or wants to learn more about pain management and palliative care, by all means, all right, great, great, great. So thank you, Matt, for coming on to Peel Talk Podcast, letting everybody know a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how you're impacting the life of people with palliative care or pain management. And uh, I thank you for coming on. Thank you very much, Bartu. Thanks for having me.